What's up? It's episode 59. Pain points of wealth and supply chains around the world are easing up. COVID cases globally are going down and profits are at an all-time record high as stock markets around the world are hitting all-time record highs. So the question is, is it all going to fall off a cliff? Is this all too good to be true? Or is this economy going to continue chugging along? We're going to talk about some long-term tailwinds that could keep this economy moving into the roaring 20s, along with your financial independence plan. We're going to talk about those specific variables that you need to address in your financial life to make sure you're financially sound. You don't want to miss it. Hit the music. We got a great show. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey guys, I mean, this market is just rocking, right? 4,600 on the S&P 500. It was a 3,800 when we started the year. We're closing in on 36,000 on the Dow up from 30,000 just 10 months ago. Now, you see a lot of investors right now, at least the calls I'm getting to people I'm meeting with. So, you know, some see the glass is half empty. Some people see the glass is half full. You know, I was playing golf with a bunch of clients the other day and one client said, you know how Philadelphians see it? I said, no, how do Philadelphians see it? They see everything is half empty and they want to know who screwed them out of the other half. Well, I mean, that's kind of like every Wall Street strategist, in all fairness. They're always so negative. They're always so dour. And their target for the year on the S&P 500 is 4,600. We're at 4,600 as is the recording. We could be higher than that when you're listening to this. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, right? Does this mean if I still worked for that old wirehouse, Merrill Lynch, then I could be finished for the year? We hit our goal. I'm done. I can go home. I don't have to call clients anymore. I don't have to make any more money. Is that how that works? That's it. You can pack it in. You hit the target for the year. It's all over. But the reality of it is here, look, I mean, you look at the advanced decline line, it's something we look at, just looking at how many stocks are going up versus going down. It's at a peak here, a 90-day peak. So you're seeing a lot of relative strength in the market. And again, profits are just coming in phenomenal this quarter, way better than expected. It's driving markets higher. And it goes back to you know our thesis here, of just all the cash that's out there sitting in the capital markets, just kind of driving this market higher. You're in the midst of this melt-up we've been talking about, not a meltdown or not a market that's going sideways. It's here, guys. We're actually seeing this real market melt-up we've been talking about. Hey, Chris, did Ryan just say we're at a peak? I mean, the AD line just topped. Is it over or did he mean is it new highs? I don't know, Dad. It sounds like Ryan's calling the top. Uh, I hope not. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, just to make this a little bit more real, I was talking to a client of mine this past week. He's a business owner and he's very, very negative about the markets, which as you listen to our show, you know that's a bullish sign from our perspective. And he said to me, he's like, you know, the market's too high. He's like, we should get out. We should buy more bonds. We should sit in cash. And I said, let me ask you a question. I said, how's your business doing this year? He's like, well, I can't get people. I can't get supplies, but you know, we're really profitable this year. I said, that's great. I said, do any of your friends own businesses? He said, yeah. I said, how are their businesses doing? He said, well, they have the same problems, but they're doing really well. I said, so let me get this straight. I'm like, you are doing well. Your friends are doing great, but that doesn't apply to the rest of the economy. And he went silent for a few minutes. He said, okay, Chris, that makes sense. You know, that's a thing. Everybody's doing well, right? The US household wealth is closing in on $160 trillion. We made $32 trillion in new wealth just over the last three years. So there's a lot of wealth out there. And I think that's the hardest thing for even business owners when they own a business to just think about the market works the same way. You own companies, you own real assets. And if those assets are producing a higher return, the price goes up. It's just for some reason, 
that there's a big disconnect between those two things. But right now you have an incredible amount of wealth being created and there's a lot of excess cash on the sidelines. Now, consumers can do one of two things. They can invest it or spend it. Right? what do you think they're going to do? Both. And that's what we're seeing right now. And I think that was the biggest thing is like we knew these supply chains were going to be an issue. What we're seeing on these quarterly conference calls from these companies is the market was accounting for the fact that they were going to have labor costs going up. They weren't going to be able to get chips if you're making an Apple phone. Supply chains was taking longer to get goods, raw material costs, input costs, all those types of issues that businesses have. And the market accounted for it. But what I think wasn't accounted for is the fact that we're going to see a very resilient American consumer. And look, paying capital management rule one, never discount Americans' ability to spend money. And everyone was concerned, well, prices are going higher now because companies' overhead's going up, so they're raising prices on you and me. So the thought was, well, people aren't going to pay the higher prices. Wrong. <laughs> you know, Americans always love to spend and they figure out ways to do it. And what you're seeing is consumers right now are kind of price insensitive. They're willing to pay higher prices. And that's what's driving this economy. And that's what's driving this market. And that's the one variable that strategists have completely discounted here is we love to spend money. You know, guys, I was talking to our cousin, Colin, who works at a Cadillac dealership out in Colorado. Check him out on Instagram, Cadillac Colin. And he was telling me he is no longer selling new cars just because they have no inventory and they've moved on to use Cadillacs. And he says they're making money hand over fist because people are paying the same type of premiums they were paying for a new car because they can't get those chips. Oh, yeah. I know people that have actually flipped their old car (laughs) and sold it for a higher price than they bought it for like one, two years ago. Whoever heard of flipping a used car and getting a higher price for it? You know, that's an industry where you take the car off the lot, it drops by like $50,000 if it's a luxury car. So it is just right now, you know, you just have this huge desire to spend money right now because people were locked down in the last year and a half and people want to live, they want to enjoy their life, wages are going up. And for that reason, we're able to take these price hikes that companies essentially are putting in front of us. I just can't believe it's the millennials that are the ones that are becoming the big spenders, right? They're coming into those years close to 45, they'll be over 45 coming in a couple of years. Chris, you'll be catching up to your brother. And there's big spending years, right? I mean, who never thought millennials would be buying Cadillacs? Chris, what's going on there? Well, I'll tell you what, Dad, a lot of my friends and my clients that are my age are, you know, not only are they making a lot more money right now, as a matter of fact, a friend of mine recently got a promotion. He got a 20% increase in his salary. You know, they're buying houses, they're buying luxury goods. Another friend of mine bought a boat and they're just making a lot of money and they're equally spending a lot of money, which is stimulating the economy. Yeah. And this is what I think is one of the bigger, what we we'll call tailwinds for the economy over the longer term, right? Everyone's talking about how we're going to have this big burst of spending out of the pandemic, and then it's just going to cool off again. Well, millennials now are 25% of the population. Congratulations, Chris. And essentially, they're going into their peak spending in earning years. You know, The ages 45 to 55 tend to be historically, that's when you spend the most money. You have household formation, you have kids. Like you said, Chris, you have more big ticket items that you're buying. And now you have the largest cohort of any population in America going right into that. It's like the baby boomers back in the 80s. It's like when Bob was back in the 80s going out there and living the good life. You know, it's not just the consumer, guys. You also have government spending, right? If they ever get this infrastructure bill passed, that's going to be an enormous amount of spending, both on infrastructure and social policy. You've got corporations, you know, that are doing capital spending. And I don't know if you noticed, but the shelves are empty just about everywhere you go. So that means inventories have to be built back up. And when you have an inventory build cycle, that's a lot of spending. That's a lot of profits. You know, a lot of manufacturers are going to do really, really well. So the market's anticipating all that. And that's why we're at an all-time record high right now and headed higher. Dad, I actually went out the other day to replace my phone. My tech guru, Ryan, told me that I should get the new Apple iPhone. And guess what? I can't get one. 
There's nothing. There's no inventory. There's nothing on the shelves. Ryan bought them all. You know, millennials received something like $380 million in stimulus from the federal government. And if you look at where they put that money, 50% of it went to either investing it or paying down debt. And that's pretty incredible. So that means that you have a more conservative American who actually pays down debt. It's not just like taking on credit card debt like it's gone out of style, like we saw during the great financial crisis. So you've got a consumer who's in great shape. They're more fiscally conservative, which you never hear that on the news. I mean, that is a long-term plus for the American economy. Yeah, but there's one big problem, right? You know, they're fiscally conservative, but with the money that they're investing, they're investing in what I think is the biggest bubble in history. I think we're in a big bubble right now. And it's a matter of putting your money in the right place. And I think there's a lot of millennials, a lot of investors in general that are putting their money in the wrong place, in a place that's a bubble that's building and saying, hey, what could be so bad? It goes up every day. Well, there's certain areas of the market when that bubble bursts, you're not going to have time to get out. You better get out now in the area that's in a bubble and invest in the areas where there's opportunity. And there's plenty of opportunity in the markets right now. Tell you what, this kind of smells like the day trading days back in the 90s with the baby boomers, dad. You remember that? Oh my goodness, right. And Chris, you can't believe we had day traders, people like corporate executives, you had doctors, lawyers quitting their day job because it was so easy to day trade and make money. The only problem was when the cycle was over, not one, but all lost 100% of what they invested. That reminds me of one of my favorite Bobisms. Don't confuse brains in a bull market. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. And right now, I mean, it's very analogous of the late 90s tech bubble that burst in 2000, where you have, again, tech, we talked about crypto last week on our show. You talk about tech stocks now trading at crazy valuations, disruptive technologies, even Tesla. Tesla had a huge move in the last like, week or two. And you know, it's not because their profits are higher than expected. It's just purely the stock price going higher. So you know, at some point, to your point, Bob, money tends to go to where the hottest asset classes are, what's the hottest place to be. And when you have tons of capital and everyone invested in the same thing, because they think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, that's usually a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and it will be, Ryan. I'll tell you what, guys, you remember when we used to blow bubbles when you were little, you blow these bubbles and they look so pretty, they look so bright and shiny and they're moving, they look really good and all of a sudden they burst and are gone. That's what's going to happen in the more speculative areas of the market. It's going to keep looking really good until it doesn't. You got a chance to get out now. Now's the time. Get your money invested where there's value and there's tremendous value in this market right now. Hey, I hope you're enjoying episode 59, Pain Points of Wealth. We've quadrupled our listenership over this course of this last month. Thank you so much for the support. If you like our podcast, love it, please give us that five-star rating on iTunes. Leave a comment. Let us know what content you want us to cover, anything financially related. If this is on YouTube right now, don't be shy. Click that like button, subscribe. If you click that notification bell, you can be updated every week as our new episodes come out. Thanks again for the support. We appreciate it. The more you give us support, pass it along, let everyone know about pain points of wealth, the more we can continue to do this podcast. Thank you again. All right, gentlemen, it's the tipping point. We pinpoint the pain point, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And Chris and Bob, when it comes to building financial plans for like the thousand or so families, we manage at our firm, Pain Capital Management. Everyone's variables are a little bit different. So that we discuss some of the variables you need to customize for your unique plan. You know, when it comes to financial planning, when it comes to your portfolio, sometimes we become more enamored with the value of the portfolio, especially with our e-money portal. You can see how much you're worth. And as the market goes up, it's kind of fun to check and see how you did each day or each week or each month. One of my clients called me the other day and he said, hey, Bob, on a scale of one to 10, I'm a six, but I have $4 million. And he said, you know, when I tell people that, they never say to them, oh, no, 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 you're not a six, you're like a seven or an eight. They never say that. They say, there's no way in the world you got $4 million. But you know, he recognizes 
that it's not just about appreciation. You got to have the income. You got to generate that income. If you're going to enjoy your retirement, you're going to enjoy gifting money. You're going to enjoy giving money to charity, making those hobbies and travel plans. All comes down to how much does that principle generate in income after tax and after inflation? That's why it's so important to sit down with your clients every year and sit, you know, all of you need to sit down with your advisor and look at what's important to you. What do you want to accomplish this year? Do you want to take a big trip? Do you want to give money to your grandchildren's education plans? Really just backing into those numbers is the most important thing to figure out how much income you're going to need. And another big one we always ask is like, what do you do with the mortgage, right? If you're down that home stretch to be financially independent, we know rates are low right now. Having a low interest rate on your mortgage is good, but you might not want to carry debt. You're just like, you know what? This is not something I want in retirement. And you know, we run those numbers. A lot of times it doesn't make a big difference whether you pay it off or not. And it's peace of mind, pay off the debt. Then that's just less monthly expense that you have. And essentially you have that peace of mind of not worrying about not having the house paid off. So that's another variable that you want to consider. And for everybody, it's a little bit different. It really has to do with peace of mind. Yeah, I think it's reduced that risk down to the sleeping point, whatever it happens to be, whether it's your debt or whether it's risk you have in the market. Your sleep is more important than anything else. And if you can't sleep, then you need to make a change. So how about taxes? I mean, all I hear about it, all these new taxes that our representatives in Washington keep coming up with, they're getting very creative. It seems like they're making up a new one almost every day. Well, you know, there's the old saying, Dad, saving money in taxes is just as green as any money you can make in the market. And really what it's about is having a very tax efficient portfolio. Like for example, your bond portfolio, owning things like municipal bonds generates tax-free income. You know, that's money that you're not paying taxes on. That's more money in your pocket, being enabling you to do the things that you want to do, like those hobbies or taking those trips or paying off that mortgage. Well, I think it's a bigger deal now than ever because, look, I can't read the tea leaves that well, but it seems to me like taxes are probably going higher. I don't know how they're going to do it. You know, they're wrestling on Capitol Hill right now whether we're going to have higher capital gains rates or our marginal tax brackets going up. So these are all what you want to be proactive about. There's lots of ways right now to say, hey, maybe it's time to pay taxes on that big retirement plan early, right? Because it is a ticking tax time bomb. When you're 72, you have to start taking from your retirement plans. The government forces you to take that money and that can bump you up a tax bracket. So sometimes it's worth to say, why don't you convert some of that money now? Pay the tax, rip the bandaid off why taxes are still relatively low and put it into a tax-free investment vehicle like a Roth IRA where you'll have tax-free income for life. I don't know about you guys, Tax-free for life is pretty good where I'm standing. Well, that's what drives me crazy about Wall Street, guys. They talk about tax inefficiency. They talk about building tax-efficient portfolios. But what do they sell? They sell the public mutual funds, which are totally tax inefficient. You know, you got to pay capital gains on those investments every year. They sell them private equity, closed-end funds, hedge funds. I mean, hedge funds, are, they're turning the portfolio over 1,000% a year. You're paying taxes on something that's down 30% after you pay 2 and 20 to the manager. That drives me nuts. Every portfolio we look at every single month, the portfolio is totally inefficient when it comes to taxes. Why pay more tax than necessary? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a good rule of thumb. The more complex the actual strategy is, the more layers there are, and the shinier the brochure we always talk about typically means just higher in fees and higher in taxes. Now, Chris told me in his crypto account where he's trading cryptocurrencies all day, he's figured out a way to evade the government. But I don't think we should talk about that on this podcast. You know, the IRS could be listening. Especially when he's in negotiation for that new Cadillac. That's right. Used Cadillac. Used Cadillac. That's right. Almost as good as new. But you know, that is the truth. Like Wall Street tends to sell you products that are high in fees and tax inefficient. And the sexier it sounds, you know, the quicker you should run away. And annuities are one of the best examples of this. I mean, how many of these annuities they pitch this to you, they tell you it's a tax efficient vehicle. Ironically, 
Typically, it's not. <laughs> when you take money out of an annuity, you're typically paying ordinary income. Meanwhile, right now, if you look at dividend rates and tax-free bonds, you can actually have a big tax advantage portfolio that's much more tax efficient than an annuity. Yeah, I'll tell you what, guys. You know, another big question is how long do you expect to live? Right? Everybody, each generation lives longer, but last I checked, nobody gets off this mortal coil alive. You know, recently I did a plan for a client of mine who's been a client of mine since I've been in the business, which is about 10 years. And every year when we run this projection, I always run it out to age 100. And she always says the same thing to me. You know, I'm not going to live that long. You know, my parents died at this age. And we're getting close to that point in time where she thinks that she was expecting to pass away. And I remind her of that every single year. And she says, well, you know, maybe we could run it. Maybe it's feasible that I will make it out to age 100. I like that, Chris. So you say, hey, remind you, this is you're supposed to be dead. Is that how you phrase that? <laughs> how does that work? The old joke is Bob said the perfect estate plan is that last check you write to the IRS should bounce. But you just don't know, right? So I think to your point, Chris, you want to be more conservative. Assume you're going to live longer as opposed to living a shorter life because odds are you probably are, which means you're going to need a lot more money than your parents did or your grandparents did. When it comes to your retirement, everyone needs more money nowadays than you did in the past to live comfortably when you're financially independent. And that's why, you know, when it comes to taking and starting Social Security, there's a lot of different options and a lot of things that the government doesn't tell you. Can you believe that? The government doesn't tell you everything. So, you know, you can sometimes start it earlier. And because you're not spending that money, you're investing it. It may make sense to take it earlier. You may have a spousal benefit where it's beneficial to start it early so your spouse can benefit. There's a thousand different strategies you can use with Social Security. That's why it has to be decided on in the context of an entire plan not just conventional wisdom or the rule of thumb that you read on Google the other day. That's a great point. Social security, it's never should be a rule of thumb. For everybody, your way to take social security is probably different than everybody else that you know because of your circumstances. And to your point, Bob, a lot of times the conventional wisdom is, if I wait to 70, I get the highest benefit. You do, but you just gave up four years worth of benefit and you could have invested that money. Like you said, Bob, a lot of times you're not breaking even taking it seven to till you're in your 80s. <laughs> you know, and then you look at an actuarial table, how lucky do you feel? Yeah, and you know, right, when it comes to saying how lucky do you feel, you know, Chris, I think a lot of, of investors are taking more risks than necessary right now. They, you know, risk tolerance is something that changes based on whether your statement went up or down. I think at the end of September when the market went down, people's risk tolerance started to adjust a little bit and now they're hitting all-time record highs, that risk tolerance flipped around again. So I think you got to be really careful about how you feel about your risk tolerance, and more importantly, how you invest based on your tolerance for risk. Yeah, I agree that risk tolerance is very subjective. I actually have a client that I was talking to this past week, and her risk tolerance changes on exactly like you said, Dad, where the market is. And right now, she wants to be super aggressive. She reminded me that over the past six months, how much money she would have made if I would have agreed to keep her risk high. But you know, in March of 2020, her attitude was a little bit different, and I always remind her of that, and she always just laughs. Well, it's true because you know one thing we talk about another painism, not just a Bobism, is you know when it comes down to it, it's not about getting all the upside. And right now, it's very much FOMO, fear of missing out. Like man, oh man, people are making money in all these different areas, whether it's real estate, whether it's crypto, the stock market, and you're thinking, man, oh man, this is when the, you got to strike while the iron's hot. No, you don't. What you have to think about is not getting hit on the downside. It's not about getting all the upside. And everybody forgets that when you're in a big booming bull market like we are right now. You know, guys, it all comes down to planning and planning's all about I would have, I could have, 
but I didn't. And if you didn't, then it's your fault. With the Ellett Plan, it's really hard to stay invested. It's really hard to understand what to invest in. Really difficult to keep your emotions out of it. So don't be one of those people that would have and could have and should have. Just do it. Hey, thank you for tuning into this episode, 59 Pain Points of Wealth. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years. Yes, that's 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at literally any stage of your journey. But if you want a more hands-on approach and you want someone to do a full deep dive of all your investments to make sure you're on track, Every single week, we do unlimited amount of complimentary financial plans. If you've saved over $750,000 for retirement, we'll do our full financial master plan. There's no other firm on Wall Street that does this. We will look at everything up front. We'll go through every investment that you own. We'll build you your own personalized financial portal, get a bird's eye view of your entire net worth, and we're going to hone in on all the issues. What's your income plan? How to take Social Security? What fees are you paying on your underlying portfolio? How to reduce those fees? How do you optimize your portfolio for taxes? How do you build a plan so you have income for life, you don't run out of money, and you can protect yourself against the ups and downs of the market? We do a full holistic plan. If you qualify, simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan. That's www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob. Cryptocoin's Shiba Inu, I think I'm pronouncing that right, and Dogecoin are together now worth more than 388 companies in the S&P 500. There's no bubbles being formed right now. That makes complete sense to me, Bob. I don't know about you, Rye, but I kind of like my assets being backed up and my investment being backed up by real assets, you know, buildings, revenue, income, dividends, you know, repeatable dividends. I don't know how you invest in something that's backed by nothing, but you know what? Who cares about Shibu Inu or Dogecoin? Now we have mana, which is the money you're going to use when you're in the metaverse. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I don't think I do either. So let's move on. Let's just invest in the stock and bond market. That sounds great, Bob, but I think I'm going to continue to trade Dogecoin. Chris, travel vendors are thinking big. Royal Caribbean Group just announced a nine-month ultimate world cruise that starts in December of 2023 and hitting every continent with more than 150 excursions from Machu Picchu to the Great Wall of China. Prices with business class flights in a pre-cruise gala range from about 61000 to 112000 per person. I think we know what you're doing, Chris, in December of 2023. Well, you know, Ryan, I remember April of last year, you and I were down in Miami hanging out, and I remember all those cruise ships just sitting out on the front of the coast, just sitting dormant. And I'm wondering if this has something to do with that, the fact that they got to start making up for some serious profit margin when they were shut down during COVID. I'm just thinking about nine months of those all-you-can-eat buffets. Just sounds phenomenal. Bob, in the most recent quarter, Spain added 5.6 percentage points to its headline growth. French household spending jumped a whopping 21.5% annualized, contributing to 10.5 percentage points to their growth rate. In fact, third quarter growth results for the entire Eurozone outpaced the good old USA. Well, exactly. They didn't outpace us as much as they're just finally catching up because they're now playing out of the same playbook. They realize they've got to open their economies, that it's not the end of the world. The world doesn't end very often, as you've heard me say more than once. So Spain, France, England, Germany, full of ordinary people, just like our country, who want to get out, who want to spend again, who want to live life. Europe is booming. The global economy is booming. 
right? We're seeing stocks go up all over the world. Make sure you don't have all your money just in the S&P 500. Plenty of opportunities outside the U.S. Go global. We say it every week. Chris, despite the U.S. Consumer Price Index ticking up 5.4% year over year, a rate last seen just over a decade ago, gold, which is supposed to be inflation hedge, is actually down 5.4%. Is gold ever good investment? I always thought that gold and cash were your two favorite asset classes. Those and bobcorn, Chris. That's it. That's where all my money is. Hey, guys, you know what I always say about gold, you know, you can't carry it around. It's too heavy. It doesn't pay a dividend. You can't eat it. You know, one thing it is good at, it doesn't rust. I mean, that's the one metal I've ever had that doesn't rust. But, you know, and it does look good on your mom's arm. So unless you're buying gold for your significant other, I don't know. I think it's an asset class that should be out of the portfolio. So all those commercials on Fox Business during the day for buying rare, precious metals and gold, probably not a good idea. Well, we know somebody's making money. It's not the investor. It's the person that's selling it. So true. All right. Another great show, gentlemen. Please, if you like our show, love our show, give us some love. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Leave us a comment. If this is on YouTube, click that notification bell, click the like button, and you can get our content, our fresh new show every single week delivered to your inbox. Another great show. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at bebullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.